everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Otherware. We are answering your listener questions about season one of Otherware, doing our special Q&A, a postmortem of sorts about season one. I'd like to start by thanking all of the listeners for sticking with us all the way through season one and uh, sending us your questions. And we're going to start off by uh, introducing ourselves because we don't really talk out of character too much on this show. I'll start. I'm Siobhan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SpellboundMage. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. You can also listen to uh, me play a character on Protean City. And uh, you can watch my video game streams at twitch.tv slash runawaysorcery. Hello, I'm Allison, and I voiced Cat on Everywhere. Uh, I guess I, I also do Chat as the same player, which is back from its hiatus. Yay. <laughs> I'm Charlie, and I play a Phantom. And my pronouns are he, sir, or he, him. Uh, you can also hear me talk about a magical girl anime over on Precur Podcast Engage, or... I guess I was in Waiting Space, Waiting Frontier, and I'll be writing for it next season. And I have a project that won't be out by the time this episode's out, but if you want to go follow the Void of Space on Twitter for when it will eventually have stuff, you can go do that. Wait, it's on Twitter now? I missed that. Yeah, it's on, it has a Twitter account. I will go find it. Yes, and what is Breathing Spaces at? Breathing X space. There's there's the be cool X in the middle. Breathing X space. Yes, yeah, I also yeah. voiced some characters on that. So and we wrote a lot of episodes <laughs> and organized the whole thing. So definitely check it out. If you want to follow pre cure podcast engaged, just at pre pod engaged. And I'm pretty sure devoid of space is just at devoid of space. See, I'm jealous. Breathing space didn't have like I had to get really creative with the the Twitter because it was yeah, it, all everything good was taken. Alright, my name is Eric. Pronouns are he, him. I play quintessential hero, the jerk. And I also edit this podcast and also edit Arcadia, California and several episodes of Breathing Space, Freighting Frontier. We all work together on stuff, can you tell? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Uh, I am Mech, or M. German. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Uh, I am also Nico McCleary in Arcadia, California, and a few different voices on Breathing Space, Fading Frontier. And you can find me at Mech on Twitter. Oh, I didn't plug my own Twitter. If you want to find me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I, I can, I, with the magic of editing, I can put it in the right place. <laughs> or, or not, it's cute. <laughs> The energy is so good. It's fine either way. <laughs> you, can, you can find me at Magical underscore pride. Emily, I tell people what to do. I also write a bunch of stuff. You can find all that various things at on Twitter at Law of Names Media. And you can find our podcast at Otherware Pod on Twitter. You can find our very cool website that Lee makes at <laughs> otherware.lawofnames.com. It also links to Lee's other projects, but the Otherware website has lists of all of the other selves that have been on screen of the main characters. It has lists of the main NPCs in Prime and some of their other selves. 
Um, it has lists of the dimensions we've visited. It's extremely cool. It also has all of our official commissioned character art of all of the main characters. So it's definitely worth checking out if you're curious. And you can come talk to all of us uh, really easily if you go to discord.lawofnames.com. I'm so proud that that works. Just saying like that was hard to make set up, but I'm so proud. It's so good. I'm glad that we have a permanent link. <laughs> yes. Um, it makes it so easy to ask people to join. Yeah, it has definitely helped. Yeah, so you can talk to all of us there about the show um, with other people. Um, we love talking about the show. If, if you haven't already realized by the fact that we're doing this Q&A, we love it. We also love if you add us on Twitter. If you don't use Discord, that's fine, too. <laughs> so speaking of being added on Twitter... A lot of people wrote in and uh, gave us questions. These range from a, a great mix of serious world building questions to some sillier stuff. So I'm going to start us off with a sillier one by Crumpet, who is at the Crumpet with an I on Twitter. And they asked, what's in the team's pockets? I know that Kat has a really excellent answer. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I can go first for my pockets as it was, uh, it did become a running joke for the series. Not to put you on the spot, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Cat has many, many pockets and many, many things in those pockets. Uh, some of them might in fact be a wallet, a phone, water bottle, source of caffeine, granola bars, assorted snacks, lots and lots of Halloween candy, a pocket manicure set, pen knife, pen pencil, marker, pepper spray, and possibly work gloves. There may be more, there may be less. Uh, no one gets close enough to cat's pockets to find out. The magic of cargo pants. I also have an answer for this for Mystic. We might have mentioned a few times that I imagine she has a, a little fanny pack that she wears against like the small of her back. And um, back when the Switch Lite came out, the Nintendo Switch Lite, it was, it's the same color as her super suit. And I was like, oh, I'm just now imagining her. I can't get this out of my head of her like pulling one of those out of that fanny pack. And then it became a, a running joke after James Malloy photoshopped a, a custom switch to make, match um, Mystic Super Suit exactly. And then I started doing these like weird alternate reality streams during uh, March Massness, which is a, a wild podcast community event in for podcasts that play a mass RPG like we do. And uh, so. <laughs> In another life, Mystic is a gamer who has a Nintendo Switch that matches her super suit that maybe one day she'll take out on a mission. Probably not, but like, I like to think of it being in there, even if it doesn't really make sense. It's a one day when we have to settle a fight with gaming. <laughs> also, if you do, if you are curious about those streams, they are archived on my uh, my Twitch, which is... Uh, twitch.tv slash runaway sorcery if you do want to watch those they are weird apocryphal semi-canon not really canon at all streams that we have done rain doesn't have any pockets <laughs> wait what rain doesn't have any pockets where does he keep it, his it messes with the, the line of the, the costume yeah exactly oh i follow they go in a weird alternate reality when you'd <laughs> shape shift into good point <laughs> Cat is unable to comprehend lack of pockets. <laughs> I Phantom 
have like pant pockets, but I don't think they use them. They have like a utility belt that they have. So like they have like a belt that has a bunch of pockets. People know what a utility belt is. (laughs) 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 Where they keep their like the phone and uh, just a bunch of like different texts, like just pieces or tools that they can use to like build and unbuild things. They also have a secret pocket in their cloak where they keep a half, like a ripped in half picture of six-year-old Ollie to look at that they stole from (laughs) Trevor Adler's house. (laughs) So they can stare at it sometimes and be sad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Quint doesn't carry too much in his pockets at all times. He does carry his domino mask around when he needs to just put it on and hide his identity. And I th- I think since the first time he's went on his interdimensional jaunt, uh, he is now carrying on his person a thing of industrial strength black hair dye. <laughs> Never being caught in a dimension without it again. It's amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> So if I could ask a question to Lee now, Cassidy at Mad Lobotanist on Twitter asked, uh, have you ever had a particular thing planned that you felt was necessary to get done for the story? And if so, how do you make sure the players get to that point? Oh, heck yeah. That's one of the reasons there's one of the great things about this show being sort of not semi-scripted, but sort of planned. So there's a lot of just... This plot element needs to happen, guys. I'm sorry. You are probably you're going to lose this fight. Like there have been a couple of situations where I specifically needed the team to go down. And I don't think that's a fair thing to come into as a GM set just to set some set players up to fail without warning them. So it's definitely been okay. This is not a fight you can win. I promise it will end up good in the end. But uh, just a lot, a lot of communication. And I, I personally find that even if you know what the thing that happens is going to be, the way you get to that thing is kind of the interesting part. So there's a lot of we need to get to X point, but then we go through J, K and M on the the way, which is fun. Yeah, we do that a lot on our show, which I really like that we plan things through (laughs) as like, I mean, everyone knows, but there's a Big difference between like a home game and like a game that we do for an audience, which we are always aware of. Uh, I'm sorry, but an actual play that is just a game between friends is not a real, it's not reality. Uh, Everyone that makes actual plays are very aware that they are making an actual play. And I actually coming into this, the first couple sessions, not so much. It took me a little while to get my head around it, but I approach plotting this more like writing a novel than I do a game. Like I would, I don't plot jamming a game like I do this. Uh, This is very much, we need these story beats to happen roughly in this order because that's what would hold an audience's interest. So it's very much, I am writing a story and helping people tell it. So related to that, uh, Ryan at Evitable Fate on Twitter asked, as a GM, is there an easy way to retcon the way out when everyone agrees action slash decisions previously made are interfering with the gameplay slash narrative? Parentheses other than time travel, which would probably make things worse. Time travel is one of my hard lines. I will not run a game with time travel. 
because my brain can't understand it or comprehend it. I have enough trouble with linear time. Anyway, it really depends on what you're retconning. Can we do you think of anything we did with this where we literally retconned something after the fact? There was an ending to an episode that we just totally cut. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in the library when we didn't like how we we ended. And I think we cut like 20 to 30 minutes of the yeah, show and just uh, replayed it. Yeah, that was where it wasn't the actions that happened. It was how they played out. It just wasn't. It had been at the end of a session. It was something that was supposed to be really impactful, but just didn't work out the way we played it. So, yeah, we literally just replayed the thing and then Eric cut it in because he's amazing. A, a lot of it, like it, it's hard because you can't go back and retcon stuff the way you would in a home game, but also there's editing magic. So as long as the episode hasn't been released, you can. Yeah, I think that like one of the most important things is like that playing a game is a process and you need to be able to communicate with your group as much as possible during it. So that way, I mean, the easiest way to retcon something is to retcon it right after it happens, right? Yeah, and I know there's a, there's been several times where either me or because a player wanted to needed to retake something, we've literally stopped, rewound it, discussed what we actually wanted to happen, then why it sort of went sideways, and then retaken it with that change in the information, which has worked really well for us, and it's actually it's led to some really good storytelling. Yeah. So the, the next question I'd like to ask, uh, which is, I guess, kind of in a similar vein to other things, is from Juliet at Mousewife Games on Twitter, uh, who asked a question that I found really compelling to talk about, which is, Arthurware gets rather grim and angsty at times. What drove you to tell a relatively dark story? Was this mostly planned in advance or the net result of collaborative, collaborative play? Do you think lighter armor action-based arcs are in Otherware's future? I wanted to pick a dimension that was as dramatically different from everything that we knew as possible. And jumping into fascism is the fastest way to be like, oh, everything's really different now. That's literally it. Y'all wrote the stories for your characters. I didn't write those. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we, we all built in trauma into our characters. Yeah, for <laughs> real. I, <laughs> I definitely have a... A predisposition to play uh, much more uh, angstier characters that uh, just have, <laughs> just really sad and have a lot of problems. So <laughs> when I made Fancho, there was no way their uh, backstory and most of their narrative arc wouldn't involve <laughs> some kind of angst. I just wanted to immediately destroy Rain's entire world fear. <laughs> <laughs> No, we talked about that though before, that it was taking a character yeah, and then the immediately, plan. exactly, immediately breaking it so he has to do something else. That was fun. Uh, so, I mean, I'm like Charlie. I usually tend to lean towards like darker things. Cat is um, uh, one of many inspirations for Cat was that uh, the arc in Teen Titans, uh, the old animated series, where um, Robin is basically kidnapped by Deathstroke. Well, I can't call him Death Show because it didn't have a rights for a name, but that was one of the things that just worked out really well. Yeah, we all. I think we all. I think we all read each other's tone pretty well when we were mm -hmm. first starting this, and I think we all love angst. And um, I think the lens of other selves who are very different from you is a really easy way to make angst, especially as Lee said. Um, when you're contrasting to a pretty idyllic superhero dimension, 
that grimness is a pretty easy way to make it different. And that is sort of one of the places I came from was how many I, I wanted everything to be as different as possible unless I was going for specifically so close it's just a little off. And that just means that the characters are going to deal with a whole lot of confronting elements of themselves they might not like, which eh, kind of tells a kind of story there. Yeah. And then this next question, uh, which, that's par- which is part of Juliet's question I read. Uh, do you think a light- lighter or more action-based arcs are in other words' future? <laughs> yes. I think that we already know the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, so look forward to those. I do think we have uh, way more angst in our, way more angst in our future as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> we do. Uh, so, so going off of this, uh, I'm going to read a question from uh, Dana Alexa at Author X on Twitter, who asked, I guess this might be explained later, but is there anything especially unique or central about the prime dimension? Like, is it a core reality that others branched off of, or is it just a convenient name since it is the home dimension of most slash half of the cast? And feel free to avoid this if it's uh, spoilersly. <laughs> I'm not going to directly answer this. I will say that there are probably lots of dimensions that call themselves prime. Okay, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the answer. That's it. The, the way I've always looked at it is just like someone picking an arbitrary zero zero point on a, on a graph. <laughs> I have been, I don't know if I've succeeded at this, but I have tried to make Phantom not call prime prime because I don't. I've noticed that. Yeah. I've appreciated it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes a lot of sense. In terms of the numbering, I've been really unclear with canon about that, about whether the numbers are like randomly generated or I'm going to just let that be comic book canon that it messes up and gets weird. And the numbers sometimes are generated by the machines and sometimes they're. Yes. I love that, especially because, I mean, um, we can talk about this, right? Some of the dimension names are references to specific things. (laughs) Yeah. As much as possible. <laughs> so, like, there is a um, a Veronica Mars a numbered dimension, right? Yep. The one for, with Alice is with Lushine is, is 90909 out of Veronica Mars, because I'm a nerd. Um, the Protean City dimension, which is 00747, uh, is um, because Protean City had been calling their, um, their main dimension 747. Seven, which is S H R stop hack and roll. <laughs> so cute. there's lots of things like that in the names of the dimensions. And yeah, I uh, did let myself have this one too, because <laughs> mostly everything here is really intentionally planned or intentionally retconned to be planned. This one, I just, I didn't, didn't try. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and read a question from uh, Jenny Blaze who asked these questions on our Discord. There were so many great moments from each of the characters and NPCs throughout this entire season. What was each of your favorite moments of season one? Maybe I should have saved this for later, but um, we can answer this one later also. (laughs) We don't want to answer it now. Maybe think on it and then come back to that one. Yeah. Because that is definitely a thoughtful question. Yeah, okay, never mind. Uh, Edit this out. (laughs) Or don't. (laughs) But, uh, so there's a... um, Let me see. An easier question. Okay. Okay, so this next question is from Josie, 
at Dragon Girl Josie on Twitter, who asked, what are each character's Pokemon types teams? Um, which I thought was really fun. And we actually have already, <laughs> we already thought about this, but we will share them again on Twitter and uh, a Discord or for at least some of us. Quint is easy. Quint is a normal type gym leader. <laughs> and I think I gave him a Snorlax, a Persian, a Pidgeot, and a Bidoof. I don't think I ever answered this one. Probably because it was on Twitter and I don't do this dumb pair. Uh, but for Pokemon ties, I think Cat would be fighting. That makes sense to me. I mean, Tantan would be Ghost. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. I think from the teams I made, I know I had the two most important things. We had the Mimikyu uh, and Odom. I just believe those are very phantom. Um, for Mystic's team, I didn't pick like a type. I've only ever played Sword and Shield in Pokemon Go, so I don't know too much about Pokemon. But I was like, all right, uh, Mystic's most uh, important thing is that she has a Meow Stick because it sounds like Mystic. But also Psychic types <laughs> make sense. <laughs> Um, and so we built a team of mostly psychic types for her with like a Meowstic, a, a Miss Magus, uh, an Espeon, that green one that I don't remember the name <laughs> of that Lee picked for her. That's one of my favorite ones. It's Kilia. <laughs> Kilia. It's Kier, just so yes. cute. It looks like it has <laughs> ponytails. That's, um, yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, Mystic's team is all either has like all have like two ears that are like almost like her twin tails. <laughs> Just you gotta look like your Pokemon, right? Yeah, of course. I think it would also said that uh, the Mimikyu that Phantom had instead of being based off Pikachu was based off a grass type. I don't remember which grass type we decided on though, because grass would also be like a secondary based on Phantom's mm. home dimension. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Phantom's home dimension, Queen B from Super Idols, whose at is a bunch of numbers, uh, Queen B E one five one six zero eight seven one on Twitter asked, "What's the origin of the expression sweet foxes?" So, <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna give a much more long-winded answer to this. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, when I created Phantom, and since Phantom's not from you know the Prime Dimension, I wanted Phantom to stand out a bit more and be a bit weirder. So I was like, I want Phantom to have like their own weird phrases or sayings and idioms and stuff like that. And this is one of the things Sweet Foxes was one of the things. I'm like, well, I want something that like that's like a like that's so cool, but like specific to what I think Phantom's Dimension might say and. I don't know, I like foxes. <laughs> the phrase sweet foxes just came to mind. And it stuck. Uh, I I do my best with coming up with things I think would work. I think I do pretty okay. That was actually one of the first conversations I had with Charlie as a player was about that. And it gave me so much information on how to approach GMing that both player and character. And it was awesome. It's been a lot of fun, though. Shout out to both uh, Charlie and Allison for dropping techno battle at the drop of the hat. Seriously. Like a lot of that stuff is <laughs> improvised that they have said, right? I will yep. warn. I'm going to need a couple yeah. minutes of techno babble, and then it happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I've watched enough uh, Star Trek, like 
some sci-fi stuff and like techno babble is a hallmark of sci-fi in general regardless of like the medium so i've i've retained enough to be able to like do some techno babble on command and also gives a little bit of like insight into Kat's character, but maybe she's not quite as smart or as knowledgeable as she thinks she is. I know if I'm a bit prepared, I just think about it, like, all day at work, like, what am I going to say? How am I going to say this? But I'm, I think I'm pretty good at coming up with on the spot. I just try and picture what Phantom would say. Um, so speaking of Kat, uh, Crumpet also asked, end of season spoilers, I mean, Hopefully you've listened to the season if you're listening to this, but how early in the character creation process did you decide that she was going to be a clone? Uh, what is the title of the comic line slash uh, CW show that uh, follows Kat and her siblings? <laughs> As um, I, I think we've announced this already, but uh, Kat is, is retiring from the show. So I guess <laughs> there's an alternate reality where Kat has stars in her own show with her siblings. Um, and this question is related to um, a question that Charlie wrote for us, which is, is there anything about who your character uh, is now that is vastly different from who they were at the start from their conception? So how early in the creation process did you decide she was going to be a clone? So... Cat being a clone was not actually a thing during the character creation process and did not uh, solidify until like halfway through season one, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so. so it's going to be a bit long winded answer and I'm kind of happy to like finally like talk about this because I know I briefly <laughs> mentioned it over elsewhere on the Discord. One of the things I really suck at is describing a character's physical appearance. Um always feels very awkward to me and I could just like never get it right so I generally don't do it that much so a lot of descriptions of like Kat and also like her mom ended up being oh just like Kat but older and then Lee kind of like started picking up on that uh and I think we did a little bit of back and forth and eventually it was like uh came to the point of like Kat being a clown uh, we talked that out and then finally gave a reveal. Yeah, I wasn't sure if Allison was like trying to show me this thing or if she was doing so. It was really, <laughs> I felt guilty asking, but I'm like, I want to know. It was entirely unintentional. I am just like <laughs> really terrible at describing characters physically. But yeah, that all came like later in the season. Uh, same with her being trans. That was never... Um, that wasn't a thing during character creation either. That uh, idea came shortly after we did the uh, Protean City crossover. Hmm. Uh, and someone over on that Discord asked about Cat's scarf, whether it was a subtle hint that she was trans. And then I decided to make her trans like shortly after, making a very vague and uh, uncommitted answer to that. That is something I wish we'd been able to get on screen if that had been comfortable with you. I mean, sorry, not to say that it was not comfortable with you. It just didn't happen. Yeah, uh, that is something I would have hoped I wanted to see actually on screen. But the story didn't let us. Yeah, I wanted to. And I, if I remember correctly, we did. Uh, yeah, back and forth on like a couple different ideas, but nothing ever really materialized. There is uh, it's heavily hinted at. Uh with uh, some of the later stuff, uh, and um, in the 
um, Kat's uh, ending epilogue with her brother. Uh, the reason that she freaked out so much was that uh, Kato looked exactly like her when she was uh, still thought of herself as a boy. Which that I also wanted to get to explore a little bit too, because I had so much messed up family stuff planned. Uh, thank you to Quill from Stop Hack and Roll for asking that prompt. I just looked up the message. We will be thanking Quill again in the future once we get to uh, Oops All Phantoms, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a we're eventually an episode that is all about Phantom Other Selves will come out. Um, not related to the main uh, plot of Otherware in any way. <laughs> so I guess since uh, I already brought this up, we can um, ask, did anyone else have an answer for Charlie's question, which is, is there anything about who your character is now that is vastly different from who they were at the start or from their conception? Well, not to answer my own question. <laughs> <laughs> but I de de Phantoms definitely became a lot uh, different than uh, when I first thought about them because uh i mentioned this before but phantom was meant to be a lot more serious and like distant and more like a not a cynical but like m more withdrawn from the group uh and more like mysterious but as i started playing phantom that <laughs> did not happen <laughs> now we have an adorable phantom I was actually genuinely worried about the character coming into the game because I didn't, I'd never spoken to Charlie before ever. And then I'm, we're talking about this distant remote. I'm just like, okay, is this gonna, is this gonna work? Is this, am I gonna have to drag them into plot? No, we're fine. <laughs> and like, Phantom's still mysterious. There's a lot about Phantom that's like, they've never talked about, like, they never talked. They haven't talked much about the home dimension, why they left. Anything about their family, <laughs> but uh, Phantom's definitely a much more personable person. Like excitable, they're very excitable, and I think that was a lot more fun. I think also near the start, Lee said something about I don't. I feel like you said something about Phantom being autistic, and I'm like, oh, I asked you. I asked you out of character because I I wanted to be sure I, I was interacting properly, and I wasn't. I don't know, being a jerk. And I did ask. I was I was really impressed by it because it, it was it gave me a lot of like yeah representation feelings that I was liking a lot. So yeah, and that wasn't my intent. But I'm like you know I'm gonna go with it because I'm autistic and I think I just kind of played Phantom that way. So when I realized that, I'm like yeah, I'll just I'll go all in and say that Phantom is autistic. But yes, Phantom definitely became pretty quickly a lot different than <laughs> when I first conceptualized them. But I, I think I prefer Phantom as they are now. As for Quint, I'm pretty sure he's about where I envisioned him. <laughs> really? Starting where we're starting now? Is that what the, the playbook change, what you were expecting going into him? For season two, y'all. Yeah. Season Nova Squad yeah. season. I'm not <laughs> sure if we're actually calling it season two or... I, you know, I, I'm thinking of like the, the the shows where they do, you know, Stargate, Stargate season two, Stargate Atlantis. We're in the Stargate Atlantis version. <laughs> yes. So Nova Squad, Otherware Nova Squad. Uh, with Quint, uh, I think everything still follows from what I had for him. So nothing completely out of left field, at least for my my vision of Quint. 
I think I initially expected Junie to be more reserved and not to like open up as much as she did. Not that she's, I don't know. I have a hard time gauging of like how other people perceive her, but I thought she wouldn't be as so immediately inviting the friendships that she got but it also in hindsight makes a lot of sense because i i meant for this character to be very lonely at the start of the show so like of course she's naturally holding on to any friendships that are offered to her but that kind of surprised me and then also how much we built evidence for her like actually having control of her powers I thought that we would blow up more things. Uh, maybe we still will, but... I feel guilty we haven't blown up more, honestly. I would, I'm would. i not great at, like, explosive combat scenes, which means you haven't had you blow stuff up. Your Phantom blew up an entire... Uh... Yeah, that's Phantom. That, that <laughs> Phantom does their own thing. <laughs> yeah, this, this is on me, too, of course. Um, yeah, for Nova Squad, I mean, there is a move that I took that I, I'm waiting <laughs> I am waiting for it to come up, but I took uh, I am not my body from the transformed, which means that. Oh, I love that one. When you get a 10 plus, you roll as if you had two fewer conditions. But when you get a 10 plus on this roll, if you if you still get a 10 plus, you have to lose control in, in a dangerous way. Mm. So one day that will be um, that'll happen. But the thing about Mystic is that she doesn't she doesn't put herself near in situations where she's going to get a physical blow very often. That's what I ran into. <laughs> You're so responsible. Of course, she hasn't taken a hit. She's so responsible. Um, <laughs> well, I'm taking notes for when I won my part of Nova Squad. Thank you. Thank you. Um, All right, everyone. Punch Mystic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I That might reminds me of when... Um, when we did that scene, Allison and Kat was like, should I punch you in the throat? What do you mean I should make you snap out of it? <laughs> um, I I loved that. The, that's also one thing I was surprised about is that it took so long for the girls on the show to become friends. From from my perspective, at least, uh, which it started because Kat tried to comfort her at first and it was a failure. Oh, God. So it started off in the chilly relationship. And then also so many weird um, middling um, pierce the mask about Kat asking, acting suspicious. But I thought it paid off really well in Bunnyverse, which are some of my favorite episodes. If we answer the question um, from... Uh, from Jenny Blaze, uh, there were so many great moments and characters and NPCs throughout this entire season. Which was each of your favorite moments of season one? And I, I, um, I mean, the whole Bunny Verse arc was such a gift to me, Lee. Oh, <laughs> I was really insecure about those episodes because Alice is amazing, and I was a little bit intimidated to jam for her. Just saying, <laughs> yeah, to play with her too. <laughs> Just. <laughs> But you guys, you guys carried that uh, for me, especially like let me kind of follow along rather than have to really lead so much. Yeah, those are great episodes. Those episodes became some of my favorite that we did. But when we first recorded Bunnyverse Part Two with the breakdown on the dance floor and mm. the meeting of Strix, I felt so bad about that episode. I don't oh. know what it was, but I thought I was like, "What? I, I didn't make any interesting decisions. It was horrible. Mm. I held up the show." Mm. And then I listened to it when we were doing the dubs before the final version came out and I was like, oh, this episode is good. That was a, <laughs> a serious moment. It was really good. <laughs> Not very action-packed, but definitely a lot of uh, internal feels happening in it. 
So uh, the the part that I really liked in season one, um, the conversation between Rain and Phantom. Uh, ah, yes. Uh, I contacted Charlie before we were going to do that to ask if it would be okay to have that conversation, but I didn't really go into detail in what exactly Rain was going to be asking and wanting to talk about, just that a conversation, uh, that he wanted to have a conversation. Um, and then I planned on it, and we were supposed to do it, like, the next session after that, but then stuff kept coming up and kept pushing that back, so we ended up waiting, like, a month of just this vague, I want to talk to you. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I felt that the scene turned out really well between both the conversation itself and the way that Lee like broke it up between the other things happening uh, in that session with other people. That was a good session for breakups. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just thinking about that all the time. Like, all right, I got to prepare for this conversation. I don't know what it's going to be about, but I, I, I'm going to think about it for the longest time. It got to the point where I was feeling like maybe I should like talk about what I actually planned the conversation to be instead of just stringing this along like this. I think in reality, it was actual months in between when the two of you decided to have the conversation when you actually got to role play it. <laughs> it was so long. That was when winter happened and I stopped existing. So, <laughs> Yes, we have a huge backlog at times that allows us to take long breaks. I think, honestly, for me, running the very first uh, scene with Transitioning Cat was probably, I felt strong, super strong. And that was another one that I had to wait like a month to do. And I think that worked really well and it was really fun to play. I like being evil moms i guess it came out so good yes it did, i actually felt scary and i'm not good at scary so that is also my favorite point when like we first got to bring in transition and we got to do like a whole bunch of stuff we've been planning for months and that it initially set up during character creation i have a whole library arc i felt was like probably like my favorite sequence in the entire series I'm uh, just like uh, getting to like hit those beats we set up, and then like, well, many things changed about Cat over time. Like the uh, mom beats were uh, always intended to be, and they landed very, very well. I think I've heard other people say that the library arc is when we hit our stride and like became the show. And yeah. I agree. We have plenty of good moments before then, but I think that was when, like, we hit our pace. It's weird that it happened and then we we split the party. <laughs> I felt so bad because, like, I had already been planned. And I'm like, then we I felt the episode come together. And I'm like, oh, shit. Then we got to split everybody up. But I, I mean, I said this at the time, but I kind of, like, reveled in that <laughs> that separation and the drama that came from it, um, the pining that happened because we were split and, uh, you know, getting to be on Protean City was like <laughs> my dream come true. That was very cool. I'm still living the dream every once in a while. <laughs> uh, listen to Splinter Division on Protean City comics. <laughs> 
if I could plug myself real quick there, you know, getting to do a crossover at Protein City was amazing. I, um, I remember when James approached me for that and I literally kicked my feet like a, like a child. Like, like literally we had just woken up and we're in bed and he kicked his little feet. It was great. Dark. And then you told us, you were like, I need a few people to volunteer for this. And I'm like yelling, happy yells and like punching the air. Like, I just, thank you, James. Thank you for guesting on our show, James. Um, Even if you are now an evil AI. Hey! Yeah, evil. (laughs) (laughs) You're not evil. Exactly. Morally neutral. Morally blue and orange. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think one of my favorite moments uh, that became kind of <laughs> a running a joke for my character, but in a way that I love, like, I am fully behind this running joke for Phantom, is definitely when we were in the uh, library and we were all split up into groups and uh, Phantom and Quinn were, like, going through the library because Phantom was trying to look for something, and there was a moment where we see this womb full of, like, really valuable stuff, and is looking at it, and then and says, I just want you to know, I'm not a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that so much. Uh, you two can have your very own Phantom's Not a Criminal t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Quote, unquote. That's serious, though. We do have a we do have T-shirts. Uh, you can find yeah. the link if you go to our website, otherlayer.lovenames.com. There's a link to the shop there. People let me make things, so I make, <laughs> I make things. <laughs> I think that episode in uh, total was just a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the dynamic between the characters. If you aren't aware of that already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, that was one of my favorite moments. And just, I, just, I just love it so much. For my favorite moment for Quint, actually also in the library arc, it was uh, actually surrounding Cat and Transition when Quint was forcing Cat to make a decision and he right then and there said that he would support her no matter what it is that she said, where the rest of the party was going, no, you made the wrong choice. I'm not going to let you do that. Or Phantom just straight up, I'm leaving. Listen. <laughs> and Quint just took Kat's hand and dragged her towards that confrontation that she decided to take. Because Quint Quint is as much of a jerk as he can be sometimes. He has a pretty serious loyalty streak. <laughs> it was a very good moment between the two characters. Phantom is just going to leave. <laughs> uh, listen, <laughs> Phantom wouldn't have left. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so, not gonna. <laughs> and then they did the party split, right? Which I guess I didn't really hit this when we were talking about the Party City crossover, but the that crossover is the is the reason why we decided to have the party split actually be for two arcs, um, because we recorded that before we recorded the library, and then we were like, you know what? Let's have the party split and see if that how it feels. And I really liked that we had to focus on the characters uh, more because they were in smaller parties. That that is the one drawback of having a cast as large as this one is, is that it's it was it took me a long time to learn spotlight maintenance and or yeah, that and splitting it up really did help. 
Yeah, and I I really liked it. I know that some of us were really nervous for doing about doing those, but I I think those those two arcs are some of the the coolest of season one. I mean, it helps that they are near the end of the season when we were really good together, and that we got to bring in some really cool guests on there. And I got to make Quint sing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so good. <laughs> While also revealing tragic backstory. Yes. Uh, if you ever re-listen to that episode, please listen to the lyrics of the song that Quint is singing because um, they're important for Quint's story, in my opinion. Specifically the second song. The first one is just pop filler. <laughs> uh, so, Eric, uh, here's the big question for you um, from Sarah on Discord. I would love to hear anything Eric is willing to share about the steps and decisions that go into the editing process. Yeah, sure. So from the beginning, Lee and I had decided that we didn't really want to showcase the rules as much as what uh, other shows might do. So I cut out a lot of the table talk and tried to leave mostly just story and occasionally some hilarious bits that I just can't bring myself to cut. But I, I do feel that because I do that, we have a much smoother show as we go and i'm hoping that people like my style yeah it's all right <laughs> early on we did get a review that specifically highlighted how much they liked how you edited it so that meant a lot to us thank you maria if you're listening but also if you could go into a little bit of detail or, or all of us i guess and like how we do other selves because i that is like one of the things that makes this show unique and makes a lot of work for you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. So we sometimes have our players playing these other characters during the game. And sometimes the GM is um, actually handling those NPCs. And then uh, the player uh, dubs that character over in post. So mo that's mostly to prevent things like having someone just talking to themselves during the during the game which is kind of weird most of the time um so like i remember during the beginning we had mystic talking to evil mystic and instead of uh siobhan just talking to herself uh, back and forth lee actually played evil mystic that one was actually cool though because siobhan played evil mystic when it was against uh, another character or me as a GM, but then we switched it. I was actually real. That went really seamlessly for like our third session. I was very impressed with how that went. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud of how we did that. So it was cool. We played her for like the first episode or two that she was in, and then at the very end, um, she woke up and and Lee was like, "You want to take care of her for now?" And then as soon as we had Mystic start talking to her, that is when Lee took her back, and then I went in and dubbed later over it um it was neat i think it's cool <laughs> it also gives us sometimes an opportunity to change lines a little bit to uh the the only rule i ever put down is that it still has to make sense in in where it is but otherwise you can kind of riff a bit and uh make things or change the wording of things. So sometimes we end up with much more interesting cuts in the dub than uh, what may have happened in the actual game. And it, it, it's really neat. Then the other thing is that it's, sometimes it's just really fun to have a player playing an NPC. And I don't know if there are many other shows that do that to the extent that we do. 
I know there are some shows that kind of just do that for like as a gag, but I, I think it gives us a a pretty neat little twist. The one that I know that does it the most as like for real is Idol on Playtest, which has I've started listening to after I finished season one, after we finished recording season one of Otherware, but it's been a huge influence on me going out of that. And they usually transform their characters into player characters when they do that. And it's really awesome and cool. But um, yeah, we when we have people play NPCs, they stay as NPCs, too. So they don't have this they don't have the stats that like a player character has and that also means that they don't have like the type of behavior that one does so like for example um eco terror is an npc and so she has villain moves she doesn't have you know labels and things like that um, yeah i really like that i can give ownership of npcs because it adds depth you guys all bring you take an NPC that, I mean, I could play and have fun with, but wouldn't be able to turn into a real person. But by giving them to you, you all, they become real people with, you know, narrative powers because they're NPCs, which is nice. Yeah. And I mean, personally, for me, Eco Terror is like the first time I played a villain in masks. So like, as I learned to GM over the past year, like that was a huge boost to my confidence that I learned I could do that with because you helped me. You co GM that episode with me, basically, yeah. or maybe that's me overstating what I did. No, but no, like, no. Did, thumbs up. It was it was very it was very good for me personally that we did that. Um, and uh, stay tuned for more of that character or <laughs> other selves of her. Because I remain sad it took us so long to get uh, Shivana like an active. There were there's a character that that is assigned to her that just never showed up because it never worked narratively and I was so annoyed. So Actual play, with, baby. <laughs> yeah, with Ecoterra, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to make, we're going to form this entire episode around this NPC to make it happen. It was fun. It worked though. Yeah, which kind of explains like the weird pacing because it's like in the finale arc, but it's kind of a self-contained episode. It was um, nice. It was needed a little break. It was good. We needed, to, I felt like it was important to have resituate the team as being back together, mm -hmm. even though we did split there. But I also think that even having Rain mostly by himself um, doing crowd mm. control really showed a lot about Rain that we hadn't seen because it actually showed like what he used to do before he was part of mm -hmm. this team. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I I like it. <laughs> There's a lot about this show I, I really like, not to just talk about our show. We make a pretty damn it, good but... show. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Be fans of yourself. Is fun. I did feel like I messed up a bit when I voiced my first NPC, which was VMix. In the first episode. Oh, that was great. It was wonderful. Because <laughs> I had the character introduced. Um, <laughs> his actual name because <laughs> I was like this is fine for that first episode I gave it was, I never played but this this was like complete new group I'd never played with before so I gave everybody here is your NPC and here's their hero name here's their yeah but it, it, you've shaped Remix as a character going from that I was yeah. like oh okay we know a lot about them now <laughs> so. uh, sometimes when you make mistakes they actually turn out really good <laughs> Uh, we could have cleaned that up, but it was just a lot more fun to just just to keep it rolling, and then have yeah. uh, Allison's character. We'll, we'll do more training. We'll, 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 we'll work on this. Yes, and I think it was like also one of those things that made that that NPC so much more memorable 
for when we met their other <laughs> self who was a prisoner in the fascist dimension yes. right mm-hmm. after that. And it, there goes that happy-go-lucky kid who, who can't even remember to use their code name when they're out in superheroing to, oh, this kid is a, a prisoner of war. I did go dark real fast. I feel like in retrospect, yeah. I'm like, oh, I, wow, you guys still played with me. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that, that dimension, I, I think about how returning to it will go and oh, oh boy <laughs> um i'm sure it'll be fine which, which brings me to a question that i thought of like during the day today which is if you were to play if we were to do a like follow-up one shot about one of the other selves in other dimensions like which one of the other selves we met would you want to base it on and i was thinking that like it would be pretty compelling to have an episode about that dimension's mystic and how her life as a trying to become a double agent would go. Ooh, I would love to see that just because it sounds cool. That that sounds like a cool solo mission. Yeah. Uh, well, put back yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Eric and I are looking at each other like, hmm, we could we could do that. I have a lot of ideas for um, like spin-off one shots that don't involve the main cast. Um, <laughs> one day, maybe after in the future, I'll learn to edit podcasts so that I can make those episodes because I feel bad putting more work for Eric. You know, it's not as scary as I thought. Just saying, like, I learned pretty fast. You could, you could totally do it. Not not that I'm. I have to graduate <laughs> first before yes. I do that. <laughs> Does anyone else have? I kind of want to see quintessential harmony. Um, okay. But that just might be a backdoor Super Idols episode. True. I would love to see more of Ghost. That was the one Phantom Mother self that was not a nerd. <laughs> they were supposed to be way tougher and cooler, and then you kicked him in the head. Just saying. Yes. And rolled a 10 plus on kicking him in the head. That was so sad. All Phantoms are cute. That's true. Even the ones that are trying to be intimidating. I like to see Isaac Emerald come back because I did have a lot of fun um, voicing that. Oh, I, Isaac too. was fun. Me too. That's a character. Yeah, yeah. Isaac Guard. No. We're bringing the hobbits to Isaac Guard. No, no, no. Isaac Guard. I'm gonna throw something at you. Isaac Guard. I'll say. Oh, runner up to uh, favorite scene in season one is a little side episode me and Tom did with a. Uh, uh, Vanguard and Isaac, and we both simultaneously arrived at the idea that they had dated in the past, completely independently of each other, and just ran with it. And it was totally clear in that audio that there, there was something there, and it was great. I think Rain's Dimensions, other selves are the ones that I like best, just in, partially because they're more well fleshed out because it was a player character dimension, but mm-hmm. also. I really am into the uh, performance, the, uh, like superheroing as performance. I find it fascinating and I would love to do more in that dimension just because it's fun. Yes. Returning one day to Rain's home dimension will will be interesting if we end up doing that. Mm-hmm. Should be. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of this, like if you haven't listened to our like short between episodes, please do. As a favor to me, I put some really important canon in that um, just because it, the library episode for Mystic, it didn't fit within like the bounds of like the normal episodes. Um, 
So uh, uh, we put, um, and also it was the perfect place to do that as I really wanted to tell a coming out story with Mystic um, because I love the, I love thinking about superheroes and, and uh, metaphors for coming out and being in the closet with the double life thing with um, superheroes. And we, we've been playing with that story a little bit as we go um, just a little bit because it's, it's a background thing, but you know, if you got five minutes, go listen to that episode. <laughs> also, I would just like to say it's really difficult to read a thing and not sound like you're reading it. And Siobhan rocked that in that because it's like that was a pre script and you just you nailed it. It was amazing. Thank you. Yes. So the, the first half of that is, is pre-written as I am reading the thing. And then the second half is improv. Um, <laughs> but it all sounds imp- it sounds great. Thank you. I. It's weird. I now that I have voice characters for breathing space, I guess technically <laughs> I've acted, but it's still weird to think of this as that. Well, and if you know what the, I mean. I know the first part was like the rules and the the this like what to do, but you read that like it was the first time you were reading it, which is also incredible. Like I watched uh, Mech do it for Arcadia, and it's blows my brain. And you did a really <laughs> good job of it. So thank you. Um. So uh, going to a, a lighter question, um, uh, there's uh, these two are related. Um, uh, Kate from Tea with Dragons on Twitter asked, what's your favorite song that reminds you of your characters? And Olivia asked a related question. Olivia Livy Coddle on Twitter, who is joining us for Nova Squad. Um, Hell yeah. She asked, for those with character playlists, who would your character, would your character enjoy listening to their playlist? So asking these together. I know that uh, Charlie definitely has answers to these questions. I certainly <laughs> do as well. I don't know if Fanta... Well, I... Hmm. I feel like Fanta and Poppy would enjoy the music, but I feel like because a lot of the songs are sad, it probably just upset them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, especially the one I made for them for season two. <laughs> um, what is the uh, the the song? If there was a favorite song from this that you're going to shout out from this playlist, or a few, I think my favorite uh, song from the first playlist I made. I, I think that definitely like encapsulate a lot about Phantom is uh, "Vagabond" by Mr. Wives. You should go check it out. I think it's a very good Phantom song. I was very self-indulgent with what I did for Junie, which is that her playlist, um, which I can post a link to later I have in the past. Um, her playlist has like a lot of my favorite music on there and her quote unquote theme song that I think of for her is from my favorite band um, and it's metric underline the black. And now uh, that whole Art of Doubt album has kind of become a mystic album for me, but um, Underline the Black has um, some lyrics that are um, about um, looking at myself. I was somebody else. My visions were right. Decisions were made in the alleys that wind through the back of my mind. Just feels so, I know it just feels so literal in a way that makes me really happy about thinking about this girl who has to meet herself over and over and also it is uh about being anxious and uh yeah. waiting for something bad to happen and coming to terms with yourself it's 
it's perfect for her. And uh, back in March Madness, I did dance to this song in Mystic Cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Vagabond is very much about traveling and being lonely. Like, one of the lines is uh, pretending to not feel alone. And I, it's just a, it's a good song for Phantom. It's very lonely. <laughs> But um, I do think Mystic would listen to the playlist I made for her because I decided that she is a like new wave uh, goth music listening person and that uh, if she has a, a super idol other self, they probably make uh, synth goth music. <laughs> so, yeah. Look, I just want all the, the other rare people to be super idols. Can, Aaron, please let them all be super idols now. Okay, done now. Fant- Phantasm was mentioned in, in Super Idols Q&A. Yes, yes, I was so surprised. They are canon. I And I believe that uh, Quintessential is also canon. Yeah. Quintessential um, Harmony and Phantasm. Phantasm is always stealing Quint's shows. Yes. Because yes, Phantasm is it. A musical thief who steals audiences. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it was the answer to my question, too. I asked uh, the, the collab that Greenview wanted to do. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. yes. Look, I like Super Idols, okay? Um, it's good. For those that don't know, uh, Super Idols is another mass RPG podcast whose uh, premise is, is kind of similar to Rain's Dimension, but instead of like superheroing being the gig, it's musicians and performers who have uh, powers, and they all have magical transformations. And it's got some um, super cool tweaking of the masks rules, and you can find them on Twitter at, at Super Idols RPG, because they're cool. Hey! Don't know tell- Well, okay, yes, there's a pony. <laughs> uh, Speaking of Rain, uh, I don't really have a playlist for him, um, but before we start playing, uh, I listened to Spear of Justice, uh, Undyne's song from the Undertale soundtrack mm. uh, to oh, kind so of get good. jazzed up to get ready to start playing and get into his head. And um, a Bigger Sky by The Altogether is a very Rain song for me. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't really have an answer for Olivia's question because I... Never really thought about what kind of music Cat listens to. Um, I do have a song that definitely reminds me of Cat, and that is uh, Mask by Ashbury Heights from their album The Looking Glass Society. Um, I think a lot of the lyrics is sort of like bouncing back and forth between like, uh, um, Hold on while I formulate words because I'm very tired right now. Uh, bouncing back and forth between like being like ready to go and like in a good headspace, and then turning around and suddenly being in like a terrible headspace and just kind of collapsing. Which I think represents Cat very well as she kind of like bounces back and forth between being. Uh, no, not thinking about past trauma and being overwhelmed by past trauma. Um, and I will, I will try to remember to retweet all the, uh, otherware character playlists that are public, um, so people can <laughs> listen to them. Um, because I like listening to them. And there are two for Junie. I've started making a season two playlist, but I, I don't, or an, a Nova Squad playlist. I don't know if I've shared <laughs> it yet. Um, which has more metric on it. Um, I try to do just one per um, playlist, but there are two playlists now, so there are two play- two um, 
metric songs. <laughs> um, so, um, for let's see, the next question we'll do here. Um, so, uh, this question that Charlie asked, which I I love, we this is a, this is a superhero <laughs> show, so we, we yes. got to ask this question. Um, I love this question. Yeah. So the the question is. If everyone's characters got into a fist fight, <laughs> who would win, both keeping their powers and depowered? I have thoughts. Um, yeah, please. I kind of want someone else to answer first, though. <laughs> uh, I I was thinking about it, too. So uh, I think depowered cat might come out on top. Yeah. Uh, just because of, like, being extensively trained from... Uh, whatever counts for her birth, uh, to be a warrior. Uh, powered, uh, I don't put Cat very high on the list. I think uh, Mystic would probably, like, steamroll Cat, despite Cat's confidence that she could take <laughs> Mystic in a fight. See, I'm putting Quint in the finals for all of these, because, like Cat... He has extensive training from ridiculously young, and he has his powers and complete and utter confidence in them. So, yeah, uh, he's at least making the finals in both uh, both games there. Yeah, I definitely think uh, Quint or uh, Cat would probably be the one to win this fight. I feel like powers were, I guess, with Phantom's technology because they don't have powers. They might be able to like maybe get pretty far if they like cheat and just go invisible. <laughs> well, they can go invisible. So if you if you don't know where they are, it's hard to defend against them. See, Quint would only win if he actually cares about winning, and I don't think he would. <laughs> that is true. He would have to be properly motivated. Otherwise, he would just walk onto the the ring and then walk out. Okay, I think Mystic would win with powers. I think that it is unrealistic to think that other people would win with powers, personally. Um, um, (laughs) This is me pent up for March Madness, um, which we keep referencing, but it is March Masks-ness on Twitter, um, which is, it's come around March, uh, or check our Discord or check that Twitter. It's so much fun. Basically, it's a March Madness, like for basketball, with a bracket of characters from uh, Mass Actual plays that compare them, and um, they have a bunch of different challenges, and you make a bracket b- based on who you think you're going to win. But anyway, I think <laughs> I think Mystic would win with powers. I I think she would win. Uh, I think she could figure out a way to do it without hurting people. But then again, this is an alternate reality where this would actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think she would want to get into this fight, but I do think that she would win. But I also think she would be the first knocked out if it was depowered because I... Oh, you think so? I think of her as a person who is not very uh, physical, although I do think she's in good shape because of the soup sidekicks training. Um, I feel like Fancho would probably get out pretty soon with, like, out there technology because, like, Fancho's not that strong. (laughs) And they also don't fight a lot. I feel like without their, like, without their anti-ground device and their invisibility, they would easily get their ass handed to them because they are not a fighter. 
Yeah. I hate to bring up March Masks again, but... Uh, <laughs> I already brought it up, Eric. You bring it up. Mystic didn't really make it all that far. Hey, mean. <laughs> okay, really so... fighting, though. For context for everyone, Mystic, a Nova, who literally the playbook is about having a overwhelming power, was put up against a Doomed, who had infinite power, which was Eric's <laughs> character from a different show. And literally, probably the hardest seating, the cl- it was it was the closest match, <laughs> probably in the entire season. Yeah, it was um, less than a percent. Less than a percent between different between these two characters. Um, yeah, I... Yes, that was great. But, uh, that, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> for March Madness, we learned that feedback is the best. Uh, <laughs> he made it into the top eight. Um, still very proud that one of our own made it so high up. Um, and Warlock also made it to the top eight. Um, yep. Uh, March Madness quarterfinalist Warlock. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that I mean, I love it. I loved March Madness so much. Um, <laughs> so... You know, we will be promoting it when we get to March again, <laughs> because it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess that's going to do it for us. Um, if you have any lingering questions, um, please feel free just to ask us on Twitter um, at OtherwarePod on Twitter or come to our Discord and talk to us in their Rancho Paseo or Spoilerverse channels. Um, reminder that the Discord is discord.lawofnames.com we're very enthusiastic so just be warned we're going to be really aggressively nice to you <laughs> we love talking about this show as now we have proven yes <laughs> yep. and the discord is the only place you can come and talk to me because I don't really exist anywhere else yes Allison's smart like that doesn't have social medias um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to all of my castmates for agreeing to do this. Thank um, you, Siobhan, for putting this together and making it happen. It was really great. Took a while for me to get to it because of grad school, but we we did it. We recorded it. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, thank you so much, everybody. We will see you soon um, for whatever episode comes after this. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know if, out, it's, but... if it's before or after Nova Squad stuff. But no, because Nova's this coming next Wednesday. Well, so the, we'll the, see you for the, the next, yeah. the continuation of Nova Squad. Yay. Um, probably. I hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs>